Good morning. Welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church in Martinsville, Virginia. We are delighted that you are here. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We have been having children's Sunday school online by Zoom. Kelly Wilson has been teaching. We will not be having children's Sunday school next Sunday on Mother's Day, but it will resume the following Sunday on the 15th. And it will go from 9.15 in the morning, excuse me, 9.30 in the morning until 10.15, so a slight time change. The reason being that we are going to return to in-person worship next Sunday. We invite all who wish to to come and worship in person, to, to be here. We encourage you to wear your own mask, although we will have masks available for those who don't have them when they arrive. And we are so excited. We are so excited about having the congregation gather again to worship and to praise God. So next Sunday, Mother's Day, uh, we will be gathering in person at 11 o'clock here in the sanctuary. Please join us. Thanks for being here today on this fifth Sunday of Easter. Let us now lift our hearts to God. Will you join me in the prayer of the call to worship? Hospitable God, who opens a door through bread and wine, may we see the place set for us so that, in turn, we may welcome others to your table. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our opening hymn is All Who Hunger.
us unite our voices in our opening prayer. God of promise, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you make all things new. Long ago, you called your church to a love beyond all social and cultural differences and gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit to open our hearts to enact such love. May we constantly discern the new directions each day to which you call us as we seek to live into your dream of reconciliation and healing for all of creation. Amen. Hello, boys and girls. It's Auntie Jill with you today on this first Sunday of May. And today you will see when we get to the scripture lessons for our service today, one of those is found from one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of John. It's the gospel of John. And it comes out of chapter 15. And several weeks ago, in the program that I do for you called Auntie Jill's Neighborhood, we focused in this wonderful resource that Auntie Marion Myers gave to me. Her daughter made this called I Love God's Word. And I have done several segments out of this resource with you. But a couple of weeks ago, it focused on this very scripture. Isn't that cool? This is like a little suitcase that becomes this little stand. And here we are. And today's scripture that we are focusing on is from John 15, verse 5, which is, I am the vine and you are the branches. Now, I'd like to read to you this part of the scripture. And I'm going to start actually at verse... Um, five, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire. So, I have brought today this particular vine from my yard, which is the English ivy vine. And what I love about it is that it's a rather thick vine that has all of these little leaves sprouting off of it. And for me, this is the illustration that we want to think on today, that Jesus for us as Christians, is this main vine here. And all of us are the little leaves sticking off. So this little leaf is me, and this little leaf is Pastor Elizabeth, and this little leaf is Uncle Jake, and this little leaf is Auntie Beth, and this little leaf is Uncle Robert. We are all the ones here in church today. But we are all connected, not only to one another, but all of us together are connected to Jesus. And that is what unifies us, encourages us, and through his love for us, we can bear much fruit. 
as the scripture says. If we don't, the, what I just read to you is that he'll just cut it off and it'll die and wither away. And that's what happens when our lives get disconnected from God, from our creator, from Jesus. We don't have life, and we certainly don't have abundant life, without being connected to that vine. And therefore, from that life, we can share with one another. So today, as we take communion together, this is not only for the young children, but for all the older children at heart. Let us, in this simple bread, remember that we are unified in this meal with Jesus and with one another. And that is exactly what this final message is. A vine is like a tree. Just as branches must hold on to the tree to live, we must always hold on to Jesus to have a happy life. For he will never let go of us. And if we are connected to him like this vine, then we will never let go of him. And God's will is our happiness. And that's what we celebrate today. So some of you may remember, of course you know me, Auntie Jill, we have to end with a song. Some of you may remember the day that we did this, that we learned the song, I am the vine, you are the branches, that's what Jesus said. I am the vine, you are the branches, that's what Jesus said. Sing that along with me, are you ready? I am the vine, you are the branches, that's what Jesus said. I am the vine, you are the branches, that's what Jesus said. So take that message with you this week. Let us really celebrate that message as we take communion together today. And let's bow our heads and pray with me, as we always do. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from the other. Take care of one another, love one another, and let's stay connected on that vine. See you next week. And now may we open ourselves to receive God's holy word. Let us pray. God of all creation, send your Holy Spirit among us this day that the seed of your word might take root in our hearts and bear the fruits of peace, love, and justice for all. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our New Testament lesson this morning is found in the 8th chapter of the book of Acts, beginning with the 26th verse. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, Queen 
of the Ethiopians in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of scripture he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice has denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our gospel lesson is found in the 15th chapter of John's gospel, beginning with the first verse. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. This morning's lesson from the book of Acts is important. It was important enough to the early church that it was recorded by Luke, important enough to include in the book of Acts, which details how the Christian church came to be the Christian church. Today's story from Acts is important now, and it continues to inform how we are to be the church. 
Today's text tells us that the Christian church has always struggled to decide who is, who is in and who is out, like every organization and institution, I suppose. And today's text tells us the story which informed the early church's answer to that struggle. Our New Testament lesson this morning enables us to travel south with Philip, who is told by an angel to take this journey. He is to travel a wilderness road. Now, we might not find hearing angels to be relatable, but I suspect most of us know what it is like to be on a wilderness road, to find ourselves in unfamiliar and uncharted places, to feel insecure and unsure of the direction we are to go, to wonder what is in store for us next. And Philip, while doing what the angel told him to do, comes upon a traveler. We are not told his name. Oddly, he is identified with a sexual reference, a eunuch, someone rendered sexless by surgery or by accident. He is Ethiopian. Because eunuchs were considered safe around the queen, they often occupied positions of great trust. This man, we are told, was entrusted with the queen's entire treasury. So we know that he was a powerful man. We are also told that he was a person of faith. Riding home in his chariot, he is spending his time reading from the prophet Isaiah. We are told that he had gone to Jerusalem to worship and is now returning home. One of the pastors, the senior, the lead pastor at Aldersgate United Methodist Church, Jason Michelli, once wrote about the poignancy of the story coming from what is not said in the story, what Luke does not say explicitly. For example, Luke tells you that this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship but was now on his way home. What Luke doesn't tell you is that the holiness codes in the book of Deuteronomy consider eunuchs to be deformed and thus ritually impure and thus barred from the temple and thus barred from worship, the worship life of Israel. Because he could not be circumcised, he could not follow Old Testament law, and so he could never become Jewish, and he could never be welcomed and he could never be included in the people of God. And so what Luke leaves unsaid is that this man, the unlikeliest of seekers, has come all the way to Jerusalem from a great distance, of his own accord, on his own dime, because he's curious and because he's hungry and because he wants to connect to God. Maybe because he wants his questions answered. Maybe because he can't have a family of his own and wants a community where he can be, where he can belong and he can be loved. What Luke leaves unsaid is that this man has taken the risk of being a newcomer, being a stranger, being an outsider, only to be turned away by a community that valued its traditions and its customs more than they valued him. Luke leaves that unsaid, but that's why he is on his way home. Well, 
Let's not miss the detail that Luke includes about who is behind what happens in today's text. Luke tells us that it is the Holy Spirit's idea for Philip to be on that road to Gaza. When Philip sees the Ethiopian eunuch, he no doubt had all the same reactions to him as the priests in the temple did back in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit commands Philip to approach the Ethiopian's chariot, and now Philip has a choice to make. What matters most? The customs and traditions and categories he's grown up with and always assumed were right and always assumed were true? Or the opportunity to help someone understand and experience the grace of God? Is changing another's life in Jesus Christ worth him having to change his? The mere fact that Philip climbs up into the chariot foreshadows what will happen next. Find him reading, finding him reading from the book of Isaiah, Philip asks the Ethiopian eunuch if he understands what he is reading. And the Ethiopian responds by asking the first of three questions in this text. How can I understand unless someone guides me? We do not come to faith alone. That was true in the first century, and it is true now. We learn from others, and we pass on what we know to the next generation. We're each a part of the puzzle, and the picture isn't complete unless each of us works to offer our own bit of color and shape to the whole. The Ethiopian eunuch has always been an outsider. He has been kept from becoming a part of the family of God. Old Testament scripture was very clear about eunuchs not being allowed to be part of the family of God. And so the Ethiopian eunuch presses Philip on this issue of inclusion with his next questions. About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Remember the passage he was reading when Philip approached him was from the prophet Isaiah. The text from Isaiah read, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who could describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? It is a text that spoke to him by underscoring his status as an outsider from the people of Israel, as someone who would not have heirs, as one who would leave no trace of his life behind once he was gone. It is a painful text, and he is bold to ask this question, given that Philip could respond by listing all of the scripture passages about why his physicality meant he could not belong. When I was in seminary, I remember Dr. Fred Craddock preaching on this text about the Ethiopian eunuch and talking about him as an outsider to the church who had spent his life looking through a knothole in the fence, longing to be inside. But surprisingly, Philip doesn't list all of the scriptural prohibitions barring the Ethiopian eunuch from the church. Instead, the text says... 
Philip told him the good news of Jesus. Whatever Philip said to him specifically is not recorded, but it is enough to give the Ethiopian eunuch hope, hope that he can belong, hope that he does in fact matter, hope that the new Christian community will include him and not exclude him, hope that God's love extends even to him. We know he is suddenly emboldened with hope because of the third question he asks Philip. What is to prevent my being baptized? That had to be the scariest question of all, the where the rubber hits the road question. After looking through the knothole in the fence his entire life, he's now asking if he can come inside. And Philip responds not with words, but with action. They got out of the chariot, went down to the water, and Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch right there. And then the Spirit took Philip from that place, and the text said that the Ethiopian eunuch went forth rejoicing. And the story concludes with a glimpse at what happened next. Philip ran into the Ethiopian eunuch again in a place called Azotus, and from that point on in his travels, through all the towns, with all the churches he encountered on his way to Caesarea, Philip shared this good news, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch and his inclusion in the church of Jesus Christ. He could have been quiet about this radical inclusion, but he did not. He told the story, he shared the good news, and he invited all who heard it to be part of a church that was distinctive because of its inclusion, distinctive because of the love within it, distinctive because of its care for those who had previously been excluded, wounded, or left behind. It is a bold act, this telling about a critical decision that helped to determine the nature and character of the church, both then and now. When the Ethiopian eunuch asked Philip, what is stopping me from being baptized? Philip knew how to use scripture to object, but he doesn't, because apparently none of those objections was as important as seeing this man rejoice in the grace and the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the good news Philip shared that day and the good news that he goes on to share in his further travels. It's one of the many texts from Acts in which we will see outsiders become insiders and the circle of inclusion in the church drawn bigger by the grace and by the invitation of God himself. It is the good news we now have to share and the challenge that we have to live into. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Let us now prepare ourselves for Holy Communion. If you have elements at your home, if you have grape juice, and if you have bread, I invite you to gather those elements now. Jesus calls all people to sit at table with him, the sick and uncertain, the weak and the poor, the Pharisees and the tax collectors. From north and south and east and west, he calls us to come and sit at this table, the foretaste of the kingdom of God. And a night long ago when Jesus sat at table with his disciples, they thought they were the hosts and he the guests. But then he broke the bread, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. The guest became the host. To this table, he calls us again. The Lord be with you, and also, and also with, with you. you. Lift up your hearts. We lift, lift them, them to, the, to Lord. the Lord. Let us give thanks to, our, to the Lord our God. It is right, it is right to give, to our, give thanks our thanks and, and praise. praise. It is right and our great delight to praise you, O God. In the beginning of time, your wisdom danced through creation, calling forth light and life. Through wisdom, you formed us in your image, calling us to love and to serve you. Foolishly, we turned from you and abandoned your ways of justice and mercy. Yet you did not reject us, but continued to call us and claim us as your own. We were slaves in Egypt, and you freed us. We were hungry and thirsty in the wilderness, and you nourished us with manna and water from the rock. We had no home, and you led us into the land of your promise. We worshipped idols of our own making, and you called to us through the prophets to turn back to you. At last, you emptied yourself of power and came to us as the child of Mary, Holy God in frail and human flesh. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with choirs of angels and with the faithful of every time and place who forever sing to the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord. 
God of power and might, and blessed is Jesus Christ, the one who comes in your name. In his life, he called unlikely people to follow him, fisher folk, tax collectors, children, sinners, deniers, betrayers. On the cross, he gave himself up to the powers of this world, showing in his body your great foolishness, O God, for loving such a wayward world. Yet by this very cross, O wisdom from on high, you have undone and remade the wisdom of this world, drawing light from darkness, power from humiliation, life from death itself. Remembering your gracious acts in Jesus Christ, we proclaim together the mystery of faith. giving spirit, brood over these bodily things and make us into one body with Christ, that we who are baptized into his death may walk in newness of life, that what is sown in dishonor may be raised in glory, and what is sown in weakness may be raised in power. We praise you, O God, blessed and holy Trinity, now and forever. body of Christ broken for the life of the world. The cup of salvation given for the world. Let us unite our voices in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray daily. Our Father, Father, who who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed hallowed be be thy name. Thy Thy kingdom kingdom come, come, thy will be done, done on on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you now to partake of the elements. If you are together with someone, I invite you to serve one another. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Will you join me in affirming your faith using the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From thence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. and see the face of Christ in every neighbor. Let us do all that we do for the sake of love. Amen. Amen. 